the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast was presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic with comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your favorite leagues and teams. Download the app, follow your favorite teams, and get a personalized feed of ad free content every single morning. For access to all of this and plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Chris Paul is on the COVID list. Kawhi is on the indefinitely out list with an ACL injury. Uh, the NBA was certainly not boring this afternoon. I'm going to have Scott here in a little bit. We are not going to talk NBA, though. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball nerdiness. And I guess a little bit of NBA, but not not current NBA, right? There was some awards passed out these past couple of weeks, which that's a whole nother show. Uh, the, the NBA does everything right. And then they drop an all NBA bomb on Tuesday night on Twitter with really no lead up. Uh, it just seems like there's a better way to do that. I mean, would we not sit there and watch like a lottery unveiling of the all NBA team? I feel like we would. We would definitely do that on a Tuesday night when, with nothing else going on. So maybe that's something that has to be fixed. But the point being, because there's an All-NBA team, three of them, in fact, there are contract implications. Our buddy Keith Smith has done a piece for SpotTrack.com, breaking many of these down. Scott and I are going to kind of run through that and update you with some numbers, some maybes, some what-ifs, and uh, look, big dollar signs with the NBA going forward with some of these players. So a little of baseball off the top, quick spin of basketball numbers, and then Cousin Dan is back with a Major League Baseball trade deadline primer. Uh, he and I put out a, an article on .com that has uh, 60 names or so across probably 25 teams in the league. Not necess- necessarily saying these are buyers and sellers, just basically saying there's a possibility that you know these five or six players on this team could be moved, could be at least attractive to other teams out there. We're about 48 days away from that deadline right now. It's July 30th. So there's time for things to change. There's also time for a lot of, uh, a lot of movement if these teams seem so inclined to do so. So Dan is uh, all over this and I gave him some loaded, you know, simple questions here with what's going to happen, right? I mean, Max Scherzer going to go, what are the Yankees and Mets going to do? Two teams that are really unknown right now because of their, their injury situations, their stature and the standings. And uh, I'll bury the lead here. (laughs) Dan was not shy about what he thinks these Yankees are going to do late in this podcast. So stick around or fast forward, whatever you have to do to get his not-so-hot take. It's actually a pretty logical answer, but that's at the back end of the show um, with Cousin Dan. Let's talk to Scott and talk some nerdiness here. Scott, welcome to the show. We've uh, we've talked at length about Major League Baseball's issues, problems, and boy, <laughs> that's not going away with the, the sticky substance stuff. I don't want to go there, even though we are going to talk pitchers and pitching stats and things like that here. Let's start with the pitchers. It hasn't been a secret between you and I, who kind of follow these numbers and follow these trends, that teams have opted to pay pitching more than anything else in this in this sport right now. Pete Alonso thinks it's <laughs> it's fixed, right? Pete Alonso thinks that teams were set up that way two years ago in free agency, that, you know, juicing the ball for home runs helped the hitters versus taking the ball's juice away and raising the laces 
you know, keeping spider tack out of this has now helped the pitchers become superheroes. We're looking at a spreadsheet, both of us, that outlines the top strikeouts in terms of pitchers and their ERA plus and their money rank versus the biggest home run hitters in the league right now. It's a pretty glaring, you know, <laughs> yin and yang situation here. Why don't you kind of break down what we're looking at and then maybe your thoughts on what's happening. So the pitchers that we're looking at, their money rank is mostly in the top 10, 12, uh, it, it, as far as the money, right. you They've have all some been outliers. Paid. They've been paid. They're, they're veterans they, or right. have been opted to be paid. Right. And, and the ones that are, have not been paid, they're going to get oh, yeah. paid. Yeah. Bieber's yeah. next. Corbin Burns is next. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the names quickly. Shane Bieber, Tyler Glasnow, unfortunately on the IR, IL, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer currently IL'd. Jacob DeGrom, of course, and Corbin Burns. That's your current strikeout leader list in Major League Baseball. It's not like there's any kids there who just came up a couple of years ago and are trying to figure things out, you know? There's a very NBA-like presence to this list, and it translates to dollars. It is, you know, these are players on teams that that are winning, by the way. So there's also a winning translation to this. Versus if we flip over to the home runs real quick, Scott, you know, and we kind of buried that lead. It's the exact opposite. Of course, these are where the kids are. Maybe the the players who are just having an out of mind start to a season, which we see every year, a couple of guys come out of nowhere, Tommy LaStella, DJ LeMayhew, you know, these guys that kind of come out of uh, the woodworks and have themselves a year. But, you know, outside of Tatis, who some may argue was paid way too early, you know, basically without taking it, uh, a legitimate season in the major league baseball league. I, this is a pretty simple group. You know, Acuna got paid early. He's third on this list right now, but that's an unbelievable value contract. I mentioned that in a couple of shows that I think the Braves are already feeling pretty darn good about that contract. Uh, what are your thoughts here? What, what, what is it a situation where positional careers, you know, batting careers, are just becoming shorter and shorter and ownership and teams are forcing that hand with contract situations or is it a young man's game? (laughs) Mm. It it, it is definitely a young man's game right now. Uh, Let me ask you this, but is is it because of how different baseball is and these kids grew up in launch angle exit velocity a home runner bust, don't even bother bunting, don't even bother hit and run. You know what I mean? Like the the game has become so much simpler from that approach. If if these guys are just coming up internationally or through college or wherever, academy, just being told, figure how figure out how to get the ball out of the ballpark. Whereas we've still got Freddie Freeman, Mike Mustak, Eric Hosmer, that generation that is still trying to hit 300, still loves an opposite field double. There's a very special big split in how the game is approached right now. And if we're just looking at home runs, like we're doing here, it's clear as day where, you know, which side is this is on. Yes, you're right. It, but in you speak of the yin and the yang, we're looking at home runs where it's a young man's game, but you go to that strikeouts and it's veteran pitchers. Yeah. So in the older side, you know, speak quote unquote uh, for, you know, for the pitcher, but 
we're talking the young guys are hitting these home runs, but the pitchers that are experienced and have uh, cheaters more no. tools, <laughs> more tools in their in their tool chest. You know, they're they're able to get those strikeouts at a higher rate than we're seeing some of the the younger guys. So, you know. When I say it's a younger man's game, I, I sort of I think that's right. I think what you're back. saying is right. There's an evolution to to pitching, and we're just in a situation right now where there's 20, 20 starters out there that substances or not have figured it out to the point of where they can pretty much get anybody out via the strikeout whenever they want. I mean, we are seeing ten plus strikeouts every single night from somebody, maybe more than one player. It is not an uncommon scene. It's kind of like you know when KD went forty last night. Did you even really blink an eye? I didn't. Um, this just seems like something that's happening every playoff game I watch now, Donovan. It's just happening. Booker, right? Right. I, I mean, 50-something yep. still. But for me, 40 is like, oh, he's having a hell of a game. It's not mind-boggling. And I, that, to me, is what 10 strikeouts feels like right now in Major League Baseball. I understand that that's a loaded conversation with everything going on. But I, I do think you're right that it takes time in the major leagues to not only work on your craft, but also understand how to get these monster hitters out. The guys that are, if you flip over to our other sheet here, these guys who are specifically branded to do one thing, which is lift the ball out. You know what I mean? Where, you know, I I pitched a little growing up and it feels like forever ago. It was forever ago, but I I can tell you right now, I wasn't taught to pitch high and away. (laughs) I was taught to pitch down, keep the damn ball down. That is not the game anymore. If you watch any of these pitchers pitch, and I do quite a bit, they are throwing high heat, not strikes. They're throwing high heat, high and away, high in. Just get it up because they can't lift up. The, 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 the angle that they're trying to hit doesn't, and the, the speed, the velocity these pitchers have, it doesn't allow for batters to get to that high fastball. So everything's completely backwards. And excuse me, there's an education process, right? It's how these, these kids grew up. So I do think, Scott, that we're going to see teams start to pay these kids more and more because of this situation that this is exactly not only in their prime, the, the game has been simplified so much to just hit it out that why can't you just bring an 18 year old kid in to do this? If he's been doing this for five, six years in Academy, he's ready. He's ready to see 96 and launch it out. So the game has been simplified. It's become more boring in my opinion. And I think there's a lot of people that agree with that, but if it's going to stay this way, I don't think this is an. I don't think this is just a phase. This is just where baseball is going, and twenty-two-year-olds are going to dominate the offensive side of the game. And I think, based on what you have said as well, the exact opposite will be the case for pitchers. Now, a lot might change with pitching based on these rule changes and and, and blah blah blah. But it's a it's a pretty even split of how the and look. What is this going to mean for free agency? Let's take that step quickly. You know what I mean? Like if, if the superstars in terms of offense are going to be paid at age 23, 24, which is maybe two to three years before they even get to free agency, is free agency just going to be a bust? Maybe every now and then you'll get a LeMay who, who had one great season and had to go and try to get himself 100 mil. He ends up with 90. You know, you'll get those kind of players who maybe had, uh, you know, the one hit wonders who teams want to take a chance on have, have actually figured it out. But other than that, I think it's going to be pitching dominated over the winters and maybe trade dominated, which 
that might not be the worst thing in the world. You know, no, not at some at, all. at some point in time, let's be honest. Fernando Tatis Jr. is not going to be in San Diego. You know, I don't I don't even think Bryce Harper's long for Philadelphia, knowing what we know about about these long long contracts. And maybe the same from Mike Trout. Kind of fingers crossed on that one, but. Um, uh, the, the they, I guess that, that's not a terrible next phase if free agency is somewhat devalued, but the trade market is increased in value. I, I think I would vote for that. I, I think I would vote for that too because of the storylines and yeah. depending on – I would hope it is more for, you know – marquee player for marquee or, you know, and that's what I'm referring to here. Player, that's not, what I'm referring to. Prospects you know, that I'm never going to see in five years. I mean, we got all pumped up for Bryce Harper getting to free agency. Was it really that friggin' interesting? He didn't do a damn thing for two and a half months. Oh, there yeah, were no, was, there were no leaks. There was no hot stove about always oh, going. I mean, there was a little bit of that, a little riffraff, but it's, it just doesn't hold the weight that an, that an NBA or NFL offseason hold, not even close because of the longevity, nope. Like there's no television, you know, there's no, there's no experience with it. So does it really even matter if Bryce Harper gets the free agency from a branding standpoint? I don't know if it does. I think it's way bigger news. If the Phillies trade Bryce Harper. I, I completely agree. And subsequently we've talked about it, you know, if, and when it ever does happen, Mike Trout getting traded, yeah. the, the Twitter is going to blow up yeah. in, you know, I, in other I, words, I I, in other words, Scott, I think these these kids, you know, Vlad being at the top of the list, should just start signing contracts. Don't even worry about free agency. You're you're already yeah. in your prime. Get your money. Get your life changing generational money. You know, you know what are you leaving? Seventy five, eighty million dollars on the table. You, you know, and I'm not talking Acuna. I think Acuna got destroyed in terms of his money, but he'll have a chance to do it again. If he keeps his pace up, it's not like it's a 15 year contract. Let me ask you this. Cause you know, we're, we're talking about that and, and the trade. Do, do you think some of this, you know, these long-term yes, Acuna's was massively undervalued, especially with the production right now that we've talked about already. Do you think some of it is calculated between him and the agent and some of these other guys that have signed these, lower deals that we think that could be higher where their their yearly salary at 15 17 million dollars it's easier to move that than a uh, a 35 million dollars do you think do you think we're going to sign this extension now hoping that in five years if the team is working out great but if not we want to facilitate a trade and it's easier to move that money than if it was you know 35 40 million dollars is it a chance? The moving part of it is certainly there. I, I have to think with these longer contracts that agents have that in mind, but agents are also just looking to get paid. Unfortunately, that's a big part of this, you know? Yeah. So, but I think the, the bigger answer, Scott, is that the luxury tax matters more than ever in this, in this league for whatever reason. I mean, the bills are so small. If you, if you win, even if you get late into the postseason. You know, the, the tax bills for going over, for really pushing the gas pedal down and trying to win in a particular season, to me, are worth it. But for some reason, 95% of this league does everything humanly possible to stay under this, that, this tax threshold and not overpay. And I think that's the leverage that they hold over these agents and players. So when it comes time for Bryce Harper, who probably should have gotten, you know, remember, do you remember the year, the time when Bryce Harper thought he was getting $50 million a year? Yes. That was a legitimate conversation that Scott Boris was. was putting out there. Well, what did he end up with? Not 50, not even close to 50. Okay. And that's average salary. 
at, you know, you're, you're tacking on years, guaranteed years, granted. So it's definitely money in the pocket for Bryce Harper, but keeping that AAV low is what's ultimately important to the Phillies, to the big, to the team at the end of the day. So right. that's the problem we have right now is there's a competitive imbalance. There's a youth movement, which I don't think is going away. And free agency is appears to be strongly devalued now and getting worse every year. So I can't, I can't find anything that's not broken in baseball, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's not just us. I mean, everyone that yeah. I've listened to, they, they've all said that there's something broken one way or another. The one thing looking at the spreadsheet that I'd be curious to dive into more is, you know, we're looking at the top home runs from these young kids, Vlad and Tatis and yeah. Acuna, Otani. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see who these home runs came off of. Yeah that they're, they're leading versus, you know, I can tell you right now, Tatis didn't get the ground. (laughs) I saw every pitch of that match. Oh, I know, (laughs) but you know, we're seeing, are are they getting these home runs off of, obviously you just said not the ground, but other marquee pitchers or are they the, the fourth and fifth in the rotation? Is it kids feasting on kids is what you're asking. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think it's a valid point. Like, is the is the league literally set up for youth dominance, or uh, you know, are these dominant veteran pitchers kind of holding their own against this youth movement? It's a very interesting question, Scott. It really is. Um, look, the the substance stuff. Real quick, I understand that making the game watchable is very very important. It's, you know, getting on TV, getting sponsorships, getting the ad money. Obviously, that's what drives the, these sports. I, I just want to say this out loud, and, and it's gonna, I'm completely biased, as you are as well, but I think you'll agree with me. I, I, I kind of quickly glossed over the, the MLB offseason and how it just doesn't hold a weight. There, nobody really cares until, you know, there's a little blip of news on an early February morning as training camp's about to start, blah, blah, blah. It's very, very haphazardly done. I I think that baseball and, and many sports, but baseball specifically, because it is considered a big sport still, completely undervalues how popular the business of their sport is. Mm-hmm. I, I think they are the classic, you know, we don't really want to talk money out loud. We don't want to promote money. We don't want to talk about, you know, endorsements and things like that out loud. That's, that's how the NBA makes their lunch money. I, I mean, the NBA has done such a good job. And, and look, their salaries are unbelievable. I mean, they're awkwardly unbelievable at times. We're about to hit 50 million plus a year, Scott. But the NFL has feasted on this. The NFL has not backed off from salary cap and dead money. And do you understand what I'm saying? Like those are now common terms with every fan. And again, we're, we're biased. We are, we are widely in that market, but baseball needs to do a much better job with this. They need to understand that this, this, this is the trading card stuff (laughs) that that when, when Tatis Jr. gets $340 million, that it isn't something to shy away from. We should, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. It's, it, it's somebody, you know, and yes, it is a personal thing to Tatis, but it's not. He's a public figure he's, and his salary is public, public facing. I just think that they could lean into this side of it. And, and by the way, I'm not just talking the money. 
we talk the trades. I, I think that's a part of this. Push the movement. Get it out there. Make you make your sport twelve months year, twelve months in a year, versus. I'll watch for April because opening day is fun. I'll watch at the deadline. I'll certainly watch in October. But other than that, it's just dog days. And you know, if I got nothing better to do, I'll watch a couple of innings. And if those innings are boring, the problem is baseball's trying to fix those couple of innings right now. And I think they need to look way bigger at what really can can draw retweets, YouTube watches, you know, what's gonna get yes. people watching yes. quick pitch on MLB network, because that's their money in pocket. Just bring it back to what you own and promote the hell out of something that may be uncomfortable, but the business of your sport is pretty. And also promote the Yankees to spend, promote the Red Sox to spend, get the Dodgers well over the tax like they are this year. Get that back in the game. Get it back in the game. You had a, a, a an international soccer sort of feel to baseball 15 years ago when all of these big teams we're pushing, pushing, pushing. Give me everybody. Give me Giambi. Give me. I, I want it all because I want to stack the biggest super team possible. What happened to baseball and super teams? The NBA stole that, <laughs> right? The NBA is completely stolen yeah. that. I, I just think the fantasy business part of the game is here, and baseball looks the other way, and I you, think that's wrong. You you make extremely valid points and it goes to the trading that we just talked about if major league baseball had a better designated offseason where they had a free agency deadline yeah. where everything started to me that's the easiest fix that has have, have a easy. formatted tv show that is free agency do it yeah that that absolutely because that will Every fan of the NBA knows free agency July 1. I mean, Everyone knows that's. I, mean, I think the NBA negotiating of, period is bigger than anything baseball does. The negotiating yes, window. Absolutely. There's so much drama and rumor. And, and yes, it's all BS, by the way. We have no idea what's fact or fiction, but we don't care. We just love the circus. Baseball's trying to be old school. Well, we don't want a bad rumor to get out. No, get him out there. Let's talk about Mike Trout going to the Phillies for the next 10 years if we have to. Let's just do it. I just think it's it's kind of like the nerds versus the jocks. <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way? <laughs> it does. And they need to get back to the David versus the Goliath. Yeah. That they, because oh, that I agree. Is, I agree. That is where you know, you're going to get more eyeballs. Yes, the Yankees are going to pay. The Dodgers are going to pay. You want those teams to pay. But when you have an ex Tampa Bay Rays are a bad example. But yeah. when you when you have a team down at the bottom and they just happen to make it to the World Series and or win it, right. it, it makes the story better because then you have fans that are like, who is this team? Who is that player? I'm starting to hear that name at the water cooler. Yeah. And then it, you, you foster the story. MLB doesn't have positive stories right now. They're all negative, whether it's, you know, the pitch, pitch time, yeah. the umps, the sticky tack, the, you name it. It's all negative media right now. And they need to flip the script and they're their own, own worst enemy. Right Here's now. the, Baseball reveres the Rays. They they thought the Astros winning in 2017 was one of the greatest stories in the history of their sport because they had, they were the 17th highest payroll in the league. That is not something to promote. 
<laughs> you should not be promoting the money. Look, Moneyball is going to exist unless you rapidly change these rules, the competitive balance rules, the payroll rules. But baseball shouldn't be happy with that story. Let 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 the news outlets run with that story. You know what I mean? Let let everybody else talk about how they're they're not paying for wins. Yes. You should be promoting the fact that the Dodgers are 50 over the tax threshold right now. That should be exciting to you. We have a team that's all in. They were they were good enough to win last year and they added Trevor Bauer and they brought back they're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they're not getting any credit for it. Promote the hell out of this team. This is what you should be dying for. And, and, and this is what the NBA does the best. The Golden State Warriors, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. These are teams that are way over. They're going to pay massive luxury tax, but they're in the news. They're the teams that, A, yeah. you want to watch. B, you want to go see. Right now, if the Yankees came to town, I mean, you're going to watch them. I am but, tonight, you know, yes. If, if the Yankees were going all out and spending to get all these guys – Wherever the Yankees go, whether it's in Kansas City, whether it's out to the West Coast, whether it's down south, everyone is going to flock to want to go see that team. But when you start in this league specifically, when you have teams that are not spending that you think should spend like a big market Yankees, people are going to want to go see them, but not to the extent that I must see that team. I agree. I agree. I think, and we've been, we're down, we're way down a rabbit hole here, but you know what else I think needs to change in this next CBA coming up? I think interleague play has to go. I think we are, we're getting too many opportunities. It's too diluted to see our favorite team or our favorite player in person. Whereas yeah. if there was a less of a chance to do that, if I had the road trip to find Mike Trout, you understand what I'm saying? I, I know I that sounds completely backwards, but not having the carrot dangling in front of me all the time, just makes it cooler. Makes me makes it something I want more. I mean, that's just human nature. So if you go back to that route, do you not want Universal DH, or would you still want Universal DH? I'm a, I honestly, honestly, I root for a team that has an unbelievable pitching batting average. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. Mets have always hit well from pitching, so I'm a terrible person to ask that question. But I, I don't even think I care. I, I don't okay. even think I care. Yeah. If anything, right, so- if anything, and Dan and I kind of mentioned this. Let's just get rid of that completely mm-hmm. or devalue that position, Scott, because that position, the pools is the JD Martinez is it's being paid, paid premium dollar for half the work. It's being paid for home runs, which we just yes. proved you don't need to do because the top 12 home run hitters right now are in the two hundreds of salary rank right mm-hmm. now. So I think there's a big shift coming. I think it's right in front of our eyes, but baseball, stop trying to fix, stop trying to move the mound back. Stop trying to, to fix, you know, the in-game stuff so much and actually fix the game itself, the, the business of the game itself. Make it a better, make it easier for you to market, make it easier for you to brand, and make it easier for you to turn into television shows the whole yes. season. And that will fix so many of your, you will have so many more people caring at least for a minute or two here and there, which is really all you can ask for. I, I just think that's, that's where you have to look. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. A lot so, smarter of the people than us doing this. Real quick before we transition, I looked up how many uh, games have had pitchers that had 10 or more strikeouts. Want to take a guess? Because you brought it up. I had to look it up. Oh, boy. How many actual games played so far? There have been over 1,000 games played so far. 
How how many pitchers? So I'd say a hundred. You're pretty close. One hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And and that's not. I mean, they're just ten percent of the time you go to watch a game, you're probably going to see a ten strikeout effort. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? I might see one tonight. Garrett Cole against the Blue Jays. I might see one tonight. By the way, there's your superstar pitcher against your young superstar home run hitter. Like literally the the best against the best. <laughs> Vlad yeah, versus gonna... Garrett Cole. So I'll give yeah, you an updated see... answer on that next show for sure. Let's talk some basketball, man. All all the NBAs. Real quickly, anybody... Yeah. I hate to do this. This is such a gimmicky thing. Uh, is anybody dead wrong here on these lists, on these all-NBA lists? First teamers are Joker, Giannis, Kawhi, Curry, Doncic. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. I think I'm good with that. Second team, Embiid, Julius Randle, LeBron, Dame, CP3. Randle deserve a second team? Yeah, I think so. You do? I do. Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I'm, 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 you're okay with Kyrie. Kyrie really stuck out to me. Well, Kyrie did Paul George sort of did because of some of the time that he took off and some of the injuries Kyrie did for the time that I'm, I I have personal time off. I got to go do this. I got to do that. The one person that I, I did look up personally was Durant. I I didn't think he was going to get it because I knew he had missed time. I didn't realize how much time he had missed. But that was one that stuck out after this came out and the game last night. So I did look, but he he only played like 35 games of the season. So I can see why he wouldn't be up there. But yeah, Irving probably isn't iffy for the fact that he was, you know, when he's on the court, he is phenomenal. But when he isn't there, which, you know, (laughs) can happen at any moment in time. I I think Tatum deserved to get on the list. I think Tatum was on a, a really messed up team this year. You know, we did see life without Jalen Brown on that Boston team for a couple of weeks, although that was probably in the playoffs after the votes were in. Um, I think he did enough. And the fact that he missed out on $33 million, which you're about to tell us about, is pretty crazy. But it's a gift for Brad Stevens. It's a gift. By, by a- like, by 20 points. Really? Behind, yeah, it was that close. I, Paul George was the last person to get in. I think if I remember correctly at 89 points and Tatum was at 60, 60 something, but he missed by like, I think 68. So it was like 20 points that he missed, uh, triggering that extra money. Yeah. So I buried the lead there. Let's get to that group. It's, it's Bam Adebayo. It's Darren Fox, Donovan Mitchell and Tatum, all who had already extended their rookie, the rookie contracts. To, Correct to to massive to max extensions, you know we we kind of detailed that when it happened that me, some of these players have various things like uh, fifth year options instead of a true five year contract. Some of them have qualifiers based on um, which All NBA team they made to qualify for this contract if they were to get to that you know that extended thirty percent level. None of them got there. We thought Tatum nope. had the best chance. He did have the best chance. He was the closest. Um, I, I, like I said, he, he, he loses $33 million in total guaranteed money because of not making this all NBA team. So what kind of contract will those five players be on now? Excuse me for, so they're going to be on the 25% of the max. That's what they're going to have. So their first, uh, year salary, which will start this coming season is $28.1 million, which will over the five years will raise in the last 
the fifth year up to $37 million. So their total is going to end up being five years, $163 million. And that's still projected based off of the 3% raise. So if for some reason the cap does go up a little bit more, mm-hmm. those values could shift a little bit. For But for right now, the, the minimum that they're going to get is five years, 163. And, and Keith kind of broke this down for us. Had any of these players hit the All-NBA team, and jumped up to that 30% contract, you're talking about a cap increase next year of over $5 million, almost five and a half million dollars. Yes. So, yes. you know, in the NBA cap space is kind of whatever, cause nobody has it. But when you're trying to move pieces and, and you know, there's some moving parts, every little dollar does count, especially when, in terms of the tax stuff. So it is a big deal that, you know, like I said, Brad Stevens, the new GM of the Celtics, doesn't have to deal with 33.7. He gets to deal with 28.1 from Jason Tatum next year. So it's a little bit of relief there. But, uh, man, that is, to me, it's so interesting that so much of this is tied to the player, a player's financial future. You know what I mean? Like, these guys, yeah, yeah. none of these we guys have any, any playoff. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, is, sitting, is getting ready for a playoff game. Everybody else is just sitting around playing golf waiting to hear if they're 30, 30 million plus richer or not. That's crazy to me. Yeah, we, we've talked about this and how the media's votes are tied to them getting this increase. And, um, you know, were there some media that didn't want him to... Yeah, when, when is the get- 30 for 30 going to come out that, of the collusion between front offices and media members and well, all that, right? Like, and we, when is that coming? Yeah, because we talked about this back, what, a month ago when we were talking about this <laughs> and you brought up the, the with the NFL side with Josh Allen, don't vote for him because you don't, want him to get, yeah. you don't want him to get that extra money. Yeah. Similar situation in the sense that, you know, if there are media, you know, maybe it gets leaked or collusion or something don't vote for this guy we don't want him to get that extra five <laughs> such million a pessimistic take but of course it's possible oh it absolutely is possible <laughs> it's so many other things that happened in the background yeah. you know this guy talks to this guy or i i, I like uh you know Ru- russell wilson saying oh i never <laughs> said i wanted to be traded no you didn't physically say it but your agent probably said it through the back On the next back outside the lines <laughs> On his way out, Danny Ainge had colluded with 27 members of the media to make sure that Jason Tatum didn't get his supermax. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. And totally possible. What's it, going on but, with Joel Embiid, sir? Yeah, he he could sign a, a veteran designated player extension. Yeah. Uh, he already has two years remaining on his current deal. Yeah, 65 which is, million left. 31 and a half, then 33.6. So he can sign four more years because the maximum that you can sign when you do your extension is a total of six years. So his extension, if he was to sign it this offseason, would start at 42 and a half million dollars, quote unquote, because again, the cap could shift by that time. Uh, and that would start in 2023, which would rise all the way up to 2026, uh, 27 season at $52.7 million. Let me, just, let me just walk our listeners down this path because I bet there, I bet you it's pretty evenly split out there of people who like and don't like Joel Embiid. He's just that yes, kind of probably. player. He, yes. Here's what, here's what Joel Embiid is almost definitely going to do. You don't say no to this. You just don't. Oh, definitely not. If you're he's going to do the four year extension, and these are going to be his salaries over the next six seasons 31.5, 33.6, 
and 52.7 to to play some basketball. That's just, and again, again, this is, and and this is based on uh, whatever percent cap that go, that, that it's possible that before that four year extension starts in 2023, that's when there's a rumor of another cap boom. It's possible that that 42 and a half becomes 45, 46 very easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could. (sighs) All right. Luca. Keith did a great piece kind of breaking down Luca in, in its entirety. Um, the inevitable happened. He did make the All-NBA team, of course, which means he's now eligible for the 30% max, which means what, Scott? Instead of the one, the five for 163, he's eligible for much, much more. Five for 201 and a half yeah. right now. Yeah, that's a second yeah, contract so. for Luca, which means we talked about it. He's going to be the first $500 million player in basketball, in my opinion. Uh, that is I a think he is very likable l- likely shot for him and I guess and we can't count out Trey either him he and Trey may be tied at the hip at this based on how far Trey can go right but Trey he's got to make an all NBA eligible. team next year he, he, yes well right he would yeah the year before the extension so yes he as long as that language is in there that if I get this, I have that escalator. Yes, that could, that could I, be. I have a to imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a big year for him. It's yeah, I, I think thirty-five he, million sitting on the table for him next year. I mean, it, obviously, the, I guess the Hawks overachieved this year and are going to be expected a lot next year. But financially speaking, uh, it's time to turn the focus to him. He's the next guy. I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not Zion. You know, I mean, we'll yeah, get I there. Think he may, but he he may have more of the tiered structure i would think to to help with the you know the finances with atlanta and who they're gonna whatever other things they're gonna do in the off season but i i he seems like a great candidate for them to negotiate all right if you make all nba third team you're gonna get the 26 percent. if you get the second we're gonna go 28 or 27 and a half and, and build those tiers in that we've sort of started seeing with some of these other players yeah De'Aaron fox um, notably right Right. I think that's a pretty so good I, comparison right now. I, I think that's likely what is going to happen. But if none of those guys end up getting an all NBA and, and Luca triggers, he's already triggered this and he signs that. Yeah. He is definitely going to be closer to that 500 million than yeah. anyone else with what he's oh, got. Yeah. He's already on track. Who it's who's next is really the question. Who's next. Who's going to join him on that track to $500 million on the court? Because I think he's got the legitimate it, shot to be that first. It, it, and Keith and I had a conversation offline yesterday when, when all this dropped and we were talking about Doncic and we brought up, I brought up the conversation that you and I had a, a couple weeks ago with the OTE and the ignite and right. these kids being able to start professionally early and then reclassify to come in earlier. And they're already having the, the professional experience just like Luca did. So I think, um, you know, it's kind of full circle back to the baseball conversation, Scott, isn't it? I mean, these kids are going to get here and be able to produce immediately. Why can't the next great Academy player turn into Vlad Guerrero jr. Or Fernando Tatis jr. Right. If they know exactly what their role is in this league, which is to pop jack threes, right? Isn't jacking threes all day the same thing as trying for home runs every at bat? It's basically where these two sports have gone from a youth right. standpoint. 
That's a good point. I, I think you're right. Yeah. If they take away the need to hit the hit college first, which I think is coming in two years, don't you don't you agree? High school players will be eligible and academy players like you mentioned. I think we're gonna have serious earners at the age of 21, 22 years old, which is kind of scary. That's not you know, are we are we headed for our next broke conversation? <laughs> Speaking of 30 for 30s. Okay. Possibly. Good stuff. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Financial solutions for prospective draft prospects, NBA, NFL. It's not too late and it's not too early to start thinking about this. There's so much that goes into it with training and workouts and food and beverage and all these things. It's basically like going back to college just to get yourself ready for pro days, for combines, and certainly for these drafts in all these sports. All these sports do this now. It's not just the NFL. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment is the one-stop solution for financial needs to get you through the draft process, pre- and post-loan programs. Visit morganstanley.com slash G-S-E. That's morganstanley.com slash G-S-E. Welcome back to the show, Cousin Dan. About 50 days out from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. That is the premise of this segment and the premise of a piece posted on spotrate.com not too long ago by myself and with Dan's help. Kind of a big list this year, Dan. So instead of like diving deep into, you know, the notable names, I kind of had you go, give me every name possible. <laughs> and I know you kind of scrambled through a few resources and just use kind of common sense with which teams could be totally fire selling here. I guess let's start there. Do you have a couple of teams in mind just off the top of your head here that you've noticed could be huge sellers in the next 45, 50 days? Yeah. So there's actually, I really think this is going to set up to be an interesting trade deadline. Um, As opposed to other years where we kind of just take a step back and say, team X is really bad. So they're likely going to sell. Um, I, we obviously have that situation set up this year, but um, some of the teams that are bad and looking to sell actually have super interesting pieces from my perspective. Um, th- those teams aren't really doing anything with those pieces right now, but I think um, there's a lot of, of targets that other teams would want. Um, you know, teams that are, are in a better playoff situation and they might cherry pick from, from some other teams. So instead of just looking at the bottom of the standings and saying, you know, these teams are all going to be sellers and selling whatever isn't nailed down to the ground. Um, I actually think it's a, it's a little bit different this year where some, some teams, um, you know, that necessarily are, aren't at the bottom and more in the middle of the pack, but um, see that their window coming to a close might, might look to uh, jump out of that earlier. Yeah, so you yeah. know what, you know what I always take away when, when those kind of conversations come up is that we could have player for player trades. You know what I mean? Like, all right, you got a piece who's expiring, who you don't want to pay. And I've got a piece expiring that I'm probably not going to be able to afford. So let's just make this work for both of us and kind of play nice. I, I actually think that's probably where most teams are going because if you look at the standings right now, and yes, we're, we're, we're 45 plus days out here from this deadline. So an awful lot can and will change in terms of the standings and, and teams uh, thought process here. Really, it's only your division, Dan, and the AL Central that's got like a clear line between who's going up and who's kind of trending down to right now. Every other division in this entire league has at least three teams. Most have four who are at least in the conversation. That seems rare. That seems like something that 
you, you know, generally there are 30, 30% or so teams that are out at this point. I mean, it is the middle of June now, right? Yeah, I, um, I, I agree with that. We, in past years, I, I feel like the divide has, um, started a little bit earlier now, but with, with the extra wild card spot, yeah. uh, there's a lot more teams that are at least lingering, but, um, you know, th- they'll have to decide in the next couple of weeks if they're, if they're for real or if they're pretenders and going to kind of take a step back here. So who, who, which team do you think is having the biggest trouble with that question right there? If you had to get, uh, if you had to just note one around the league, I mean, you, you know, blue Jays seven and a half hour right now, Yankees eight and a half hour right now. That's probably where I start. Yeah, I, I I think I'm having a little bit of trouble. And t- I, I don't know if teams are necessarily on the fence about whether they're going to buy or sell. I, sh- I should restate that. I, I think teams are just unsure if they're going to be buyers. Um, yeah. some of the, so, like, in the next few weeks, we'll see if teams like the Yankees can kind of rebound, um, if the Cubs still are, you know, you know, yeah. It, it kind of looks like they're going to start to maybe, uh, you know, separate themselves in that division if if things keep trending that way. So I, I think te- teams like that will be interesting in terms of where they say, um, you know, reassess in a couple weeks. We might want to buy, but, you know, I also don't see some of those teams subtra- subtracting players in, in the same in the same breath. So, yeah. Um, it's a it's a decent free agent crop. I think you and I did a, a bit of preview of that before the season which generally leads itself to a nice deadline because expiring contracts are, you know, you know, teams that are about to lose players generally to get some value back for those players. You know, we've mentioned the shortstops. There are some pitchers out there headlined by Max Scherzer, of course, who who is now dealing with some sort of injury as well. And that's obviously going to be a part of this conversation too. It's who can stay healthy, who is forced to stay healthy by maybe being sidelined for a few weeks before this deadline. That's a part of this conversation. Um, what are the big names? I mean, I, I know your piece that you collaborated with me on has dozens of names, but who are the big names that you you expect to be moved here? So let, let me flip that question. We'll, we'll start with the big names, but I, I actually don't think the biggest names that are out there are going to be moved. So Max Scherzer is kind of the one that everyone's, you know, brought up in conversations, um, you know, specifically the Yankees noting their pitching problems. Mm-hmm. Um, really, there's a number. I mean, a lot of the contenders could use an, another pitcher at this point. So you could really put him in with um, with any of the teams. But I, I, I the longer this goes, the more I think that they won't um move him obviously he left his last start with injuries they don't think it's real serious but that would obviously throw a wrench into into the plans but um mostly their gm mike rizzo has really never been a seller in these kind of situations and um i i think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk there but i think it might might be overblown somewhat considering that there's not a lot of huge names so people are trying to you know, scrape some names. So obviously the situation expiring contract may not resign in Washington. Um, obviously that leads people to believe he might be dealt at the dead at the deadline. But I, I think that the, the nationals would be more likely um, to hold unless they're really far out of the race. I mean, um, currently they're seven and a half back. I, I think the Mets are the favorite in the net in that division, but beyond that, I think it's, it's pretty wide open and the nationals could climb back a little bit. I know you feel a little bit differently. You think they might be dead uh, closer to dad there, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, you know, I, if they're in the race, I have a hard time really picturing them dealing unless 
uh, dealing Scherzer specifically, unless it's a franchise changing trade, which I just don't see, um, you know, that kind of return turn for there for, uh, for sure. Well, there's so. a track record, right. With Rizzo. I mean, he didn't do it with Harper. If you're going to do it with anybody, you're going to do it with Harper. He didn't flip Harper. Right. And even going back, I mean, 10 years to Jason, like a player like Jason Worth didn't do it there, you know, where everybody at the beginning of the year thought Jason Worth would get traded, um, yep. you know. So, um, yeah, I, I so I, I personally don't think Scherzer gets moved, um, but understand the, you know, people, it, it's an appealing name and people people want to see him go, go I wonder, somewhere. Uh, I wonder if a little bit of NBA trickles in with Scherzer, Scott, uh, Dan. and. Look, he's 36, you know, expiring contract. I don't know if he thinks he's got two seasons left, you know? So I don't know if what he, I don't know if he knows what that next contract is going to look like, even though I'm sure Scott Boris has, you know, frameworks out there already. And I'm pos, I'm pretty positive it's not in Washington. That just seems like where we're headed here. It seems like there's going to be a, a different a change of scenery, possibly even retirement here. Doesn't Max Scherzer? You know, as the next 25, 30 days roll on and the Nationals probably continue to sit in the cellar, doesn't he at some point say, ah, I, I got to give this one last shot and, and just forces his way out of there? The return's not going to be great. You're right. So the GM, you know, isn't going to be blown away by this whole process. But I wonder if it's not Max Scherzer who turns this back around and says, you got to do this. You got to do this for my sake. I got you. I got your ring. You know what I mean? Like he, there's so much good faith invested in this whole relationship. I just wonder if he turns around and says, get me to San Diego, you know, or, or get me out, get me to Oakland and let me, let me finish this thing off on a, uh, on somebody who can't touch you anyway. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I, I think it could go either way. I'm just saying from a pure, uh, you know, from a purely, People think he's going to guaranteed get traded, but if he if he if it's more pl- player motivated than team motivated, yeah, I I don't um you know that that's a yeah. scenario I could yeah we see we're only play. obviously speculating, but I think you're you're right, and the, the, the Nationals just don't have a track record with, with it either. So he's on this list for obvious reasons, but I think you're right to probably poke holes in in the whole scenario until we get closer. I mean if. If the Nationals really start to slip, then maybe it's a foregone conclusion. But this is about where we were with Bryce Harper. They were they were about here in the standings. It was kind of, eh, the kind of they're kind of buyers, they're kind of sellers, they're kind of still in it. Some nights they they hit bombs all over the place and they look like a team that can compete. And some nights, you know, Strasburg's back on the shelf. Now Scherzer's on the shelf. Corbin is sort of a a, a shell of himself. So I, I just don't know this team, that team. And I, I watch a lot of national league East. That team just doesn't look like they have it right now. So of all the situations, I think this one maybe have them has the most substance to move forward with. Um, let's stick with pitchers. I guess the, you know, the Rockies have a few, the Rockies are out. We knew, we knew that before the season started, uh, but they both had injuries. You know, Marquez got banged up, let his last start. He's a legitimate option. John Gray banged up all year. He's a legitimate option. I'm going to guess that you're not super high on, on any more of these Rockies moving, not named Trevor Story, right? I think I I, I think somebody else could get moved for sure. Um, I, I don't know who it is, and if I'm a Rockies fan, I don't have a lot of faith in the GM to make the correct move or like a, a move that's really going to you know alter the the direction of the franchise. Um, so I don't 
think there's, you know, a lot of sex appeal in, in the Rockies in terms of the trade deadline. I mean, the store where Trevor story will end up is, um, is pretty interesting, but beyond that, John Gray, um, a pitcher that, you know, has the pedigree, never really put it together in Colorado has had a pretty decent start to the year. Um, so, uh, you know, I could see a team come calling there. There's some other pieces that, um, you know, people might, people or that might be in play for other teams. But, I'm not even sure um, the Rockies have a GM. Did they ever replace British? I don't think they did. I think they just have a front office that is sort of operating in flux right now and kind of making decisions on their own. I, I know he, they sort of forced him to quit after the, the, the Arenado debacle. So I, I think they might be flying blind, which maybe that's, you know, maybe that's good news for teams trying to get some of these players. Do you think story goes? I mean, that's a, that's an expiring contract and that's a hell of a player right there. Yeah. I, I, I think they'd be stupid not to. Yeah, I mean, me like he, that that team kind of needs to start from the ground up. He's not going to be on your next good Rockies team. Um, even if the, the return isn't massive for him, um, you know, and it might very well not be, you, you kind of got to deal him and, you know, move on and try and try and start rebuilding somewhere somehow. So, yeah, I think, I think he definitely gets some, I think he definitely gets moved. He's had a pretty slow start to the year, but, um, you know, the track record is there that somebody will, somebody will come calling and give them what they, um, what they would want. I, guess, so. I don't know. I, let, let me pose this question with these superstar players. Is it just better, easier, maybe even more profitable to just let it ride out and then take the qualifying offer situation and just bank on the fact that story is going to go somewhere big and, and, and there's going to be a high, possibly first round pick in, in return for our Rockies organization. So that's a, that's a great point, Mike. Um, I guess it would all depend on the return that they're going to get. You know, you're not going to give up some minor league um, a ball pitcher or something like that for, for story. But I, I, I guess I think if there's a legitimate deal on the table um, that is, that exceeds the, the qualifying offer value in their eyes, then um, yeah, he gets, he gets moved, but that's a great point. Um, this qualifying you know, offer stuff is such bullshit, man. And I've been meaning, I've been waiting to say this for a long time now. Uh, can, can the MLBA players union find another way to screw these players over, please? I mean, my yeah. God, now they can't even be traded on expiring contracts because of this crap. I mean, that's real. And not only does it, does having that thing make it harder to trade, it also torches the trade value. Like why, you know what I mean? Like why would we give you anybody, anybody notable when you're probably better off just not trading them? You know, that's what teams are probably saying to Colorado right now. I, it's, I hate this for the players. I absolutely hate it. Their their salaries are coming down. Their trade value is gone. The qualifying offer either makes it hard for you to sign in free agency, or it makes you have to wait until the qualifying offer date passes. So that, you know what I mean? Which is in the middle of the season, such a freaking circus for these players. I hate it. And I'm, I'm happy there's an, there's an expiring CBA coming, but I know it probably means less baseball. Don't you? Oh yeah. And, um, I, that's one thing that I definitely think will be addressed in the next CBA. Um, a lot of, a lot of the service time manipulation type stuff and um, it, arbitration, you know, that rolls into arbitration and then, and then even, you know, even this, the qualifying offer stuff. So um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Mm. Ugly stuff. What are the Cubs going to do, Dan? That's a team you so, just, you dislike, but also follow very closely. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
kind of piggybacking on the Washington thing, that, that's another team with several stars that a lot of people think um, they'll move on from so, some of them at, you know, at minimum. I, I kind of disagree with that as well. Um, maybe that's just because, you know, the Cubs just swept the Cardinals and uh, looking yeah, like they're the leaders in that the division. They, they could really make a name for themselves this week. It's, it's a big week. Yeah. So like, even let's say they have a next, uh, a, a bad next four or five weeks here. Um, I, I still don't see them being so bad that they're in a position where they think that they can sell off pieces, um, you know, from that 2016 world series team. I mean, I, I understand smart franchises don't get, get glued to that stuff, but I, I just don't, um, I don't see them just saying, you know, we're around 500 or a little bit over 500 and we're in a divisional race and we're just going to sell these pieces off to try and, um, you know, look towards the future. I just don't see that happening in a major, a major market like Chicago. So I, um, unless they're way out of it, I think they try and make another run here. Maybe that, maybe they don't add a, a big time player, but I think they definitely add to that team rather than sell. So I would, I would be on, on um, the side of all those guys staying, quite honestly. It's a total plot twist. I, I mean, yeah, really. We had this team in the ago, total yeah. tank before the year, um, selling pieces, you know, early in the year. You know, you know is Chris Bryant even going to be on this team in June? Like, it was, I mean, Kimbrell was a disaster coming into the, it, everything was, was trending downward for this team. And they're, you know, <laughs> 11 games over 500 right now, neck and neck with the Brewers, tied for first. You know the Reds. I, I, we can talk about them next. There, I believe they're going to be big sellers this off th- this deadline. You know the Cardinals have so many injuries that the rest of that division is just smelling blood right now, and the Pirates are pirating. So, I, I have to agree with you that they might not not want to be in this position from a front office standpoint. They, you know, they're probably super bittersweet on the fact that they're eleven games over right now, staring down July, but. I think it's hold serve and add a piece, maybe add a starter. Maybe, uh, I mean, the bats have been there all year. The the run differential is plus 43. It's all kind of good news for this team right now. I'm not even sure it matters if they believe they can do this all year. I think they have to try. Exactly. That That's exactly in line with my thinking. The best case scenario for them coming to the year might've been that the, the team just totally flames out and they have, um, every every reason to want to sell those guys and kind of start to rebuild. It's good early. business just, to sell them, but it's probably yeah, bad it, baseball. It, exactly, yeah. So in this circumstance, I think um, I think they hang on and maybe add a, a middle. I, I mean, let's let's be honest. What this team needs is you, Darvish, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which was yeah, good point bringing it up. I mean, that's the first thing they did this year is trade him to San Diego because. They knew they weren't going to keep everybody, and you know he was kind of fool's gold at that point. He they had him at a good high value to get him out, and they did. So it's kind of hysterical that that they're here right now. Yeah, and the in the pitching staff is in rough shape now too. You know, all yeah. of a sudden you have a couple injuries, and you, and you're relying on on some depth guys that you didn't really think previously. So. Um, that's why I think they might add a cheap arm or two, um, you know, to stay in this thing, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting that, um, you know, a team that probably wanted it to go South and it hasn't. Um, so they might, you know, might try and make a run here. So, I mean, we probably have 25 starting pitchers on our trade deadline piece right now, Dan, you know, and you know, they're, they're not all soon to be hall of famers. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of 
oh, I remember that name, <laughs> you know? Uh, can I give you a, an interesting situation? If the Nationals aren't going to trade Scherzer, don't you think they should trade John Lester? Wouldn't that be a crazy, weird reunion? Let's put this thing back together. Super cheap for the Cubs. I mean, why the hell oh, not? Yeah, for the Cubs. Yeah, I. He can become sure. that middle reliever in the postseason. They don't. They won't really need to stretch him out. I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, and he's probably free. I mean, he's had a Literally really rough start to the year. So seven hundred thousand dollars salary at the, at the deadline. I mean, that's right. nothing. That's nothing. By the way, the piece that Dan and I posted. That's what I did. I added a column for every single player that shows the cash remaining for June, July 30th through the rest of the regular season. So basically, if they're traded at the exact deadline date, you'll see exactly what the salary would be for that that new team for the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, you're getting pretty good value pretty much all over the board here with these few dozen players we have named here. The Reds, I mentioned them there. Let's get to them. I mean, Luis Castillo has... I believe the second worst ERA in all of starting pitching right now, not named Matt Harvey. So uh, how is this guy there, by the way? And is he still tradable? Can somebody fix this player? I'd like to believe yes. Um, it seems sort of like a small sample that, you know, he's been so bad in, in at the beginning of this year and he's had a really solid career up to this point. So, um, I mean, say what you want. The trade discussions have been hot and heavy since the beginning of the year. He's always been a, um, a notoriously slow starter and it, and it's sort of thought, um, because of the cold weather, he's more of like a warm weather pitcher. So, um, I think if there, if this is like a buy low opportunity for a team that, uh, you know, a contending team that thinks that, you know, is willing to take on a somewhat risky player and, and try and bolster their roster for a, a playoff run. I think he's a good name to try and target. Um, coming into the year, he, you know, specifically was mentioned with the Yankees and the returns that people had pegged for, you know, a Yankees <laughs> Luis Castillo swap were pretty insane compared to what he would probably, um, you know, what they would probably try and find for him now. But I'm not so, sure yeah, we're getting much he's, better he's out of Jameson Tyon, though, Dan. <laughs> I think. I think I think it would have been feast or famine on honestly between Castillo and, and Tyon based on how it started for the Yankees. Um, right. Who's the? I mean, I'm looking at obviously you don't have it in front of you, but I'm looking at an ERA plus list, which I like to do every now and then. I, I'm just trying to think like who, which player on this list on this ranking is you know who's high enough that it would be a huge trade, a huge move, you know. Uh, I know you've got Hater on this list. Hater is fifth in ERA plus right now in the entire major leagues. Dan, would Milwaukee be crazy enough to move him right now in the middle of this contention run? So I, I think no. I think we 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 briefly discussed Josh Hader um, at the beginning of the year as somebody that maybe they move on from and replace with Devin Williams kind of thing. But okay. um, at this point, same similar to the Cubs. That I mean, the Brewers are in it and maybe weren't sure if they'd be in it at this point. And they they might be the favorites in this you know in this division going down the stretch. So I think that they're. Um, I think that they would be out on selling Josh Hader at this point. That, yeah. that was more of like, a, let's see how this year plays out. And um, if we're kind of just lingering around mediocrity, then then we'll choose to move on from it. I'm but. still trying to find somebody. I'm trying to find somebody in the top 100 of ERA plus that I'm pretty the, convinced is going to go. 
and, and that's the thing, Mike. I, w- once you remove the Cubs and Scherzer, yes. there's not a lot of big names, and I really don't. I mean, I'm sure we'll be surprised by somebody, but that that's what I, that's why I, what I tried to say, like leading into the show, is that. I don't think there's going to be any massive moves, but there's a few teams specifically that have decent pieces that would be good, would be great on another team once relocated, if you know what I mean. I, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm sort of hinting at the Diamondbacks, um, yeah. you know, specifically a team that as of us recording, this has lost, I think 32 of 37 games. Um, they're way out of it, have a bunch of money in payroll and, you know, you look at these teams, though, and if you start to just relocate them around the league, there's a lot of appealing pieces here, despite being a team that is, you know, one of the worst in the league. So I, I it's it's it feels like it's going to be that kind of um, trade deadline where it, it's not big time names, but maybe more, um, you know, qu- quality over, sure, over depth pieces. You know, absolutely. Which yeah, that's yeah. that's generally what we see. I'm kind of hoping we see something a little bit more. I mean, I mean, the Giants can't be sellers, right? I mean, Kevin Gosman's 30th in ERA plus. He's been outstanding. I don't know if that can maintain for you know 15 more starts, but they're 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 not buyers or they're not sellers, right? Where they are right now? I I don't think so. No. No. This is yeah. This is I'm, I'm way down this list of ERA plus. Way down it right now. I mean, Scherzer's in the. In the in the nineties, in terms of this, one hundred and two ranked one hundred and two in the league right now. Ian Kennedy, the Texas Rangers closer, who has had just a complete rebirth of a year here. That's a name that probably goes, don't you think? Agreed. Yep. I I, I think I, like so. We basically threw a bunch of names on this list, and it's not to say a lot of these guys will get get moved, but. Um, there's a, you know, you, there's really, a reason for it. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be specific fit with teams, you know, maybe the Yankees are going to, you know, shop for, um, you know, a right-handed pitcher who can limit power to, to right field with a lefty batter. You know, that, that's the kind of things teams will specifically shop for, um, at the deadline. And they, and they may trade for a starter who, like you said, with John Lester, they, the team only has intentions of using them as a reliever, yep. um, or, or something like that. So it, it's really hard to, specifically in baseball to, to make marriages with some of these trade candidates, I think, um, be, just because you're, you're just picking a needle out of a haystack. I mean, a pitcher is a pitcher in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of what, how these, these teams view them. It's pretty interesting. Um, not to mention that this year is just being completely dominated by kids. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you look at the, at the offensive side of the ball right now, and I mean, even just specifically the home runs, the slugging, the OPS plus all that, uh, it's a, it's a freaking college you know, it's 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds all over the place. You're hard pressed to find a savvy vet sort of dominating their team. I mean, when's the last time you heard the name Bryce Harper, Dan? Well, he has been hurt, so I'll give him that. But no, I know I know exactly what you mean. It's 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 a young man's league. And I think I mean, with analytics and how contracts have have been going the last few years, I think I think people are hip to it. So it's weird you know it's it's kind of backwards from every other sport right now where you know if you're young and a stud you can get money you probably won't get money you probably just have to continue to pay your dues even though you're 
leading the league in home runs and slugging and doubles and <laughs> OPS and everything else that Vlad Jr. has right now. And Tatis Jr. is right behind him. And Acuna Jr. is right behind him. It's just uh, it's a weird year to really evaluate things, which is also doubly weird because the whole process is going to be evaluated in like six months with the CBA negotiations. And I don't know, you know, the, the league itself and the owners, they're so old school and antiquated. Are they even understanding and comprehending what's happening to the game right now? You know what I mean? Like, are, do they get it? Are, are they aware of the, the financial abuse that they're taking advantage of right now with Vlad Jr. making $570,000 right now, but dominating the entire league? It's, it, it's, a, it's a weird, bad time for the Players Association, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think it'll get addressed in, um, in upcoming, in upcoming CBA discussions. It's better for the team and the player. I mean, the, the team might not know it, but you know, if you're in free agency and pay, you're basically paying at this point for past production numbers where, um, you know, with analytics and stat cast and all these different metrics we have, um, there's a lot of different predictive stats out there instead of just looking at what, um, you know, what somebody has done in the past. So I think I, I do believe based on things I listen to smart people, I listen to that um, inside league circles, they are shifting the dynamic a little bit to, to that. And we are starting to see it. Um, but, I, you know, baseball, there's, you know, well, the tried and true. <laughs> yeah. The people that don't want it to change and, um, you know, want to limit any, any sort of, um, progress. So yeah, I think, I, I think that'll be the, the main focus from uh, CBA discussions coming up. Yes or no on a deadline trade story. Trevor story. Yes. I say, yep. Tigers ace, Matt Boyd. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Could be the best pitcher going, right? Yeah. And he's a, and he's a lefty. I mean, there he, he's not the most consistent guy, but I, I think it's just, the, the Tigers have no reason to hang on to him. He's an, you know, he's a solid arm that uh, I think he'd be a nice addition to um, any contending rotation. Yep. Nelson Cruz, the uh, ageless wonder. So the twins, the twins are in an interesting situation um, going forward just because they've had a really bad year, but a good chunk of their core is still locked up for a few years. So they don't, they don't scream sellers to me. Um, I'm going to punt on this one and say, I really have no idea, but if I had to lean a certain way, I would say he gets moved for 15 out. I know it's bad. And that's the thing is he's on, he's on a one-year deal. Um, you know, that might be a Max Scherzer, you know, like you brought up a Scherzer, just say, Hey, I'm like nearing the end of my career. I could be of service to a contender, you know, please move on from me. And, and I, I would think that the, the relationship has seemed to be good there. Well, where the team and the player would, you know, come to a mutual agreement on that. So that that's why I would lean. Yes, he does move. So you don't think they're going to sell big. You don't think they'll move on from somebody like Barrios and things like that and really sell before they have to pay. I, I don't as of right now. No 15 out, Dan 15 out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm keeping going down here. Uh, which pirate is not on the block? Oh, that's singular, by the say, way, not I was, plural. I, th- I thought you were going to ask me who gets traded, and it's Adam Frazier. I mean, I would bet a substantial oh, amount yeah. of money that, that Adam Adam Frazier gets He's the Ben Zobris of this trade class. He's going. Yeah, yeah. He is uh, He's going to be a nice addition for somebody 
Who? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, anything not nailed safe? down. Cabrian's probably safe. I mean, yeah, you would think they they would they would try and build around a player like that. But in terms of veterans, I, I don't think there's anyone that's, <laughs> that's safe, quite honestly, and nor should they be though. That's a, that's a perfect team. You know, so, some of these teams just need to sell a bunch of pieces. And even if they don't bring back a substantial return, um, you, you got to start, you know, hoarding lottery tickets, if you will. Yeah, so, but how do you get better? How does a team like that get better? I mean, they don't have the answer. It's been 25 years. Well, right. I, How the so, hell do you get better? I mean, the, the Orioles mean that, are showing that, signs. Is it just hitting lightning in a bottle with a pitcher, a young so, first-round pitcher? I mean, what what is the plan right now? Well, it's a huge. That's a huge discussion on whether some of these teams just will never be good because they can't. You know, can can the Orioles develop pitching? You know, can can the Rockies develop pitching? You can give them all of the you know, the, the stud grade A prospects in the league. And if they can't develop anything, you know, it's, they're not going to go anywhere. So that's, that's a bigger discussion, whether some of these teams just don't have the the front office pieces in place to actually be successful. Um, but but at, Dan, at start- Joe Musgrove, Tyler Glasnow, Garrett Cole, Chris, what do you want from them? They've had the pitching. <laughs> well, okay. But I think in the same breath, those guys were not, although they came into the league with pedigree and were highly regarded prospects, the, the Pirates never put, never made them better. And you see them go to other places and be these superstars. So that's what I'm trying to say is you can, you can give the Pirates Tyler Glass now in, in Austin Meadows in Garrett Cole and there's, they could, the organization is probably a failure to the point where they're still not going to be good. And they've yeah. shown that. So that's what I, that's what, what I was like joking about with the Rockies. Like, even if, you know, even if Trevor story could fetch them a giant package, I feel like the, the rot, the Rockies are just inept enough to not be able to, to, to pick right. the right package or maximize value on it. So um, yeah, I, I, I have no faith in the pirates and nor should other people, you know, there, there's a couple, t- just like the Indians get credit for always developing pitching talent, even, you know, sure. even though they have dozens of pitchers who flame out, you know, just like any other organization, you know, people give them the benefit of the doubt because they have a track record of major success with that. And on the flip side, these other teams like the Orioles, the Rockies, the pirates, et cetera, just never have success. So at some point you have to look back and say, is it bad luck? and the variance in prospects or is it organizationally, you know, these teams are flawed. And I think at this point I I'm going to say that they're flawed. So we made a cardinal sin with this piece, Dan, by leaving both New York teams off of it. <laughs> uh, that's like, you know, clickbait one Oh one. So we have no Yankees to talk about here. So we have to fabricate some Yankees conversation. I mean, it's real. They're sliding the coach, is now answering questions about his future, the team's future, you know, all that good stuff. What what do we see out of this Yankees team? I mean, I had Lindsay Adler on a couple of shows ago, and she's kind of, I mean, she, she literally sits on the bench with these players and has no idea what the right step forward is. So what is your take? Do they have to overpay for, you know, Kettle Marte or... You know, I don't know if Byron Buxton's even available when he's healthy again. Is that the kind of move we're looking for here? Or are they just kind of, you know, Adam Frazier and a pitcher and let's see what we got? I mean, really, what is the plan for this Yankees team? Or is it sell? I, 
I mean, if they keep floundering, I think they're going to, they're going to put themselves into sell territory, but you know, just with all the expectations coming into the year, I think they do have to at least try and make, um, you know, make a stab at, at saving this, but I, I I'm not going to try and act smarter than any of these people close to the Yankees. They, they feel and look old though. Yes. So, um, you know, on that, you know, me just saying that if they do fall further out of this race, I think that they do sell some older players um, or, you know, people, players that might have some trade value left, like a Clint Frazier or somebody like that. But really in terms of adding Mike, like what player, like specifically what one player, even if it's Max Scherzer is helping this team become, a, you know, is, let me rephrase that is Max Scherzer or, Cattell Marte or a player like that one player going to turn that franchise around from where they are right now and I don't think so I think their pitching staff their starters specifically are so it's they're so far behind on that front that I don't think one move is going to make it make a difference but I mean the roster is the same basically as you know what we started with and this team was what projected for 96 wins so they could obviously go on a massive hot streak but with, with a pitching staff that is just Garrett Cole and a bunch of people that you're, you hold your breath every start. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to put a, you know, a real good 20, you know, 25 of 30 string together here to kind of, you know, to put themselves into a prime position. So I, I long-winded answer. I don't know what, I have no idea what they do, but I certainly don't think, you know, they're going to start throwing a bunch of draft picks or sorry, prospects, um, you know, towards trying to, figure this pro you know figure out the problem aggressively so i think this is going to be one of those scenarios that you brought up right off the top of this segment dan which is let's go find a team that's in the same boat as us right now maybe it's got to be in the national league you know for for competitive purposes but maybe it's the giants maybe it's the cubs okay and and i understand that those two teams are up at the top of their division but i think over a 162 season, I think both those teams will come back down to reality a, a little bit, and I think the Yankees will come up to reality a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? I think they're, I think all three of these teams I've just mentioned are probably three to four games out of the out of their division lead come July 31st, right, right after this deadline. That's probably about right. I think the Yankees are underachieving from a from a batting perspective, from a run scoring perspective right now, and they will figure it out and get healthier. Severino setback, Kluber huge injury. That's that's devastating to a team that was already thin at that position. What if there was a world where Kevin Gosman can be poached off the Giants for the right price and he becomes the number two on the Yankees? You know what I mean? What if uh, you know Chris Bryant is the one who's going to get moved and the Cubs are going to bank on the fact that he's not going to do this the whole year and he becomes the new starting center fielder for the for the Yankees I, I think that's possible Dan and I understand I'm kind of projecting big names here but I don't think this is the situation look Ca- Cashman's you know seat is warming every single month and I think Aaron Boots seat is red hot right now red hot and when that's the case when front offices are feeling it like this, you don't add Adam Frazier. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just don't. Right. You go bigger than that. And I think that uh, a third base slash outfielder and Chris Bryant is somebody this team would overpay for right now. I really do. Now, will the Cubs move on from him? I don't know. But I don't think Joey Gallo is is the right name for this team, even though that's such a Yankees move. <laughs> In- interesting. And, and, 
if if they were going to make a big move, I would think it would be on the pitching side. And I, I know, us. but I'm not sure that yeah. there's an answer. You know, I mentioned Gosman. Right. No, I mean, you're right. You could go Bumgarner, but is that going to even move a needle right now? I just, I, you know, do you overpay for Matthew Boyd with term? Maybe Detroit would listen to that, you know, for a, a Frazier or, you know, God willing, an Duhar if the Yankees could move him. But I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. You know, I really right. don't know what that answer is here. And that's why they're not on this list because we don't have options. You know, I don't think they're going to quit on Gary Sanchez yet. I don't think that's right. And, you know, flip the switch here to the other side of, uh, you know, the other borough and, and the Mets, the Mets are in first place. That seems about as loose of a first place as, as humanly possible. I mean, they don't belong here. They have half a starting lineup on the injured list right now. Setbacks to Syndergaard, who they were expecting back in July. Setbacks to, you know, a couple of outfielders. It's 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 a weird situation there. Do they buy, knowing that this all may be fake as well? Uh, I, I don't think so personally. But you're you're much closer to the situation. Um, I I think from an outsider's perspective that they're. You know, based on some Sandy Alderson comments, too, it sounds like they're going to rely on their trade trade deadline acquisitions as being players getting healthier. So um, that those are going to be the ads that they make. Um, So and I I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, they're hanging in there and leading that division with all of these, you know, troubling injuries. So if they do get those added boosts, um, you know, I I don't think they need to add a lot either. They've shown that their depth pieces have have been competent enough to. Mm-hmm. to to fill in so i yeah i don't think there's any like glaring glaring obviously you know obvious moves to be made there so there's a lot of injury situations to really consider i mean the angels are six out mike trout's going to be shelled for a few more weeks here that team is kind of competing without him on the on the back of shohei watani just real quick you know where are they in your in your mind right now i I don't think they do a lot and it's mostly because I don't know what they have to do. Like, I, I don't know what, what players they have to move. I mean, you looked, you're not going to move a Jared Walsh. You're not moving Otani. You're not moving trout. And beyond that, it's the, the roster is so thin. Um, it, it's it's I mean, they, totally below average, but for some reason, completely competent right now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It works. It's just guys. I don't think are going to drive, you know, drive a, yeah. any kind of market on the trade value. I mean, maybe like a Justin Upton or like a Jose Quintana, you can move at the deadline. But um, outside of those guys, I, I don't, they're kind of in purgatory there. In, in my opinion, you're, you're stuck right in the middle of having these, you know, several MVP candidates on your team um, and being way out of it still. So which team I'll, f- I'll kind of finish on these last few, Dan, which team, and maybe we've mentioned it already is all in knowing the floor is going to fall out next year. You know what I mean? Um, Oakland kind of feels that way. Two games up on Houston. Houston could also be in this conversation, by the way. Is Houston in that boat? I mean, are they certainly losing Correa next year? After losing Springer, who knows if Verlander can come back, right? Yeah, maybe. That might be the best one. I mean, who knows? There's, they're kind of in no man's land beyond this year. So that, that might be the best team that's like currently in contention but might have to kind of start to tear it down here. Um, I mean, the Cubs could be, but if the Cubs really win, it, don't you just think they're going to re-sign the heck out of these players? 
<laughs> yeah, or at least some, maybe one of them, or yeah. they, they pick one to move forward with. But yeah, yeah, I could see that. I just don't see. I mean, if Chicago's winning, you don't you don't become sellers. You just don't. It's just not how it works there. So, and the White Sox, you know, the White Sox being great is another reason for the Cubs to try harder. <laughs> That's just you know the dynamic in that city. So, I, I do think it might be Houston, who's kind of in an all in pattern right now, and could really lose a lot of their core after this year. So they're they're kind of playing with fire here. I, I guess I wouldn't. I'd throw the Braves in that conversation, maybe. Really? They're kind of, yeah, because I mean, they're we've sort of seen they they need a pitcher. Um, you know, I, I I could just see them going either either way. I feel like they need to make a move to improve now. See, you and I disagree a lot on this team, and I've been saying this to you for a while now. I I think that the Braves are just a predator on the prowl right now and they're they are stalking the rest of this division and at some point in time all these guys are going to get hot together from a a, an offensive standpoint and they're going to destroy this division i think they're going to leave the phillies and the mets in their freaking dust come august um this core this core of acuna and albies and swanson and now riley is just and and i'm jesus i forgot Hall of Freddie Famer, Freddie Freeman, who's on an expiring contract and has everything in the world to play for. I, that is, I, I don't know. Do you, is there a better five in baseball right now? Truly. That, that's that's nope. devastating. So, and I agree with that, but I guess I was answering that through the framework of maybe next year, next year sure. you know, Freddie Freeman has, you know, doesn't rebound this year and has a bad year. Maybe they don't want to sign him and who knows what's going to happen with Mar- Marcelo Zuna. I mean, specifically oh, yeah. I Ozuna, Ozuna and Travis Darno being removed from that lineup majorly changes my opinion of the lineup. I mean, obviously their top five is still maybe the best in the league, but once you look beyond that, um, you know, their bottom four, you know, their, their bottom half of the lineup is not great offensively. It's pretty thin there. So I guess I just say I could see them being at a point of no return where they, they might have to kind of reassess next year, but absolutely might, they could, they could make a run here and surprise them. That's for sure. Yeah. I like them a lot more than I think you and, and a few other networks out there do. I, I just think they're waiting in the wings to get it right. And then, then it's going to go. Um, all right. Let's finish with this guy. I, I was kind of giving you some names, some yes or no's. Just who is the biggest name that's going to be moved, in your opinion? Mm. Go ahead and reach. <laughs> um, okay. Let, let, I don't, me, let me put it this way. Let me frame it a little differently from you because we are a financial website here. I'm going to give you the top are the five teams that are sitting at the bottom of the tax space situation right now. Cause that's a big part of this. Unfortunately, these teams are all trying to money ball themselves these days. And there are teams on the fringe. Dodgers are way over 50 over right now in terms of tax. They don't care. They'll buy if they have to. Houston is next. Houston has a million dollars to work with right now. Yankees are third with a little over two to work with. And the Red Sox are right behind them in fourth. And then the Angels are fifth, rounding out the top five in terms of the lowest tax base with just under $3 million. Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, Angels. Couldn't be five more polarizing teams right there. Of those teams, does anybody move a player with the tax in mind? Hmm. That's... 
That's a good question. Probably way outside of um, my pay grade, but I, I I don't have a good answer to that. I could see it totally happening, though, yeah. I think Houston so, might. I think Houston might do it. And I'm, I'll give you the name. What, what if they moved Mald, Martin Maldonado again? <laughs> Martin. Sure, yeah, they have, they have a couple catchers they uh, do. behind him and there. So. You just mentioned a team that could use a catcher in the Braves. Uh, they've done that before and brought him back in free agency. So I think Martin could move again. Um, you know, Bregman has, hasn't been Bregman-y, but I think they're going to keep a Bregman-Altuve situation going forward no matter what happens. Um, look, you, can't, you, you just can't take Correa and Brantley off this team and, and try to win, even though Kyle Tucker has shown signs this year. If, if they're going to contend, you, you can't move too much. But I do think that's a good team that will sell. Because of the tax. I believe that that's how they operate from a front office standpoint. So just from that perspective, I'd expect that to happen. I don't think San Diego cares about going over if they buy, you know, the Phillies, they do care and they're close. They're seventh on this tax list, Dan. And if the Braves jump them in the standings and start to make a run with the Mets, I don't know what happens in Philadelphia because they have, they have pitcher injuries Bryce Harper has been injured. He's, he's trying to work himself back into, you know, superstar fate, fa- What do you make of that? Real Miltz has been injured. Is that just a, a team that's had bad luck or is there a flaw on that team? Good question. Um, I think they've underachieved for sure. Yeah. I would, um, I would not be quick to try and tear that team down. I think they um, are built pretty well. They have a, they really improved their bullpen a bit this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they've just had a little bit of bad luck. That, that, that's where I would go with them. I'd put coach on the hot seat before players. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where that whole situation stands personally. Okay. So you softballed the answer with who, who the biggest player is that's going to move. No, no. So let, let, let me, I, I'll, I'll give you the clear answer the question sir. for me. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go with Aaron judge. How about that? Oh my God. So I don't know if I can allow you to do this. (laughs) So coming into the year, I mean, we had heard those rumors that he was discussed, um, as a potential trade partner with some teams. Um, so that, that gives me the notion that potentially they have considered that in the past. And it seemed like, uh, I, I don't want to say that he's like some hot name or anything. I'm just saying if you, if you want a big name that might get moved and isn't really being discussed, I personally think judge could get moved um, based on the fact that they did. They, it seems like they talked about this in, in the past. He has had injuries, you know, issues ever since his um, major rookie year they might want to kind of try and move on from that. You know, you, they're close on the luxury tax tax. I think there's numerous factors that, you know, perhaps he's a guy they look at and say, well, we kind of need to start rebuilding and he's going to be, you know, he might net them their biggest return. So um, do I think it's likely? Absolutely not. I'll state that, but I, I, I think it's a name to, look, to watch. I, I think the Bronx would lose their freaking minds, but, He's got one year of arbitration left after this. So the time to do it is now. Exactly. Because the second that everybody realizes he's going to be on an expiring contract next year, it's too late. The value has gone. So if you want the Mookie Betts return, that's, this is the time to do it right now. And I, I, you know, I do this for a living and I still think it's crazy, but I don't think it's that crazy anymore, Dan. I, I, I think, 
I do think a shakeup has to happen. And I couldn't get Lindsay Adler to say what, what she thinks it would be. And I understand she's too close to the sun on that. Um, and I don't think anybody really wants to see Aaron, Aaron Boone get fired, though that's probably trending right now. Th- that would be a monster move. You probably can't move Stanton, right? And Duhar is a joke right. to move. I don't think they want to move Glaber Torres because he's he's too important in every facet of the game. And, and, and Judge is too, but Judge carries this gigantic red flag of, of injury with him now, which is no longer fluky. It's almost expected on an annual basis. So... Man, right? They they might not want to put themselves in the position to have to decide whether they give them whether they give Aaron Judge the next contract. And like you said, you know, it does feel like they're old and need a shakeup. And what is that shakeup? And you started to kind of do process of elimination. I mean, is it Torres? We've heard his name out there. He would be a candidate for this, but it's not Lemayhew. Stanton is probably unmovable unless they yep. hold most of that contract, you know, you, so you start going down the list here and there's not that many pieces Correct. that other teams are going to, you know, give you something in return for. So I, I think Aaron judge, it's, it's a perfect storm brewing of maybe he's a guy um, that gets surprisingly moved more so if the Yankees continue to slide. I mean, if they're in contention, I don't, I, I don't think Brian Cashman is moving Aaron judge. I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that. I can't all, let but, you, I can't let you off the hook here. I got, you got to give me a team. <laughs> oh, um does it have to be AL Dan? Because there's just no, an assumption he, no. that he's going to be a DH in 5 years. Well, I guess if a team is thinking that way, but he's a really competent outfielder. I agree. So I I don't think he there's any reason you have to pigeonhole him into an into an AL DH, you know, scenario. So um, I, honestly, I, I shouldn't have even brought it up without knowing the specific. No, team no, no. We can we can workshop this. It's it's a good yeah, way to finish this off. Because I do forget who it was, but um, uh, like okay, I, if you if you just want a team, I'll say the Cardinals. How about that? Okay, I think that's I I love the young outfield they have there, and I wouldn't want to see them necessarily shake that up. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a team that is gonna make you laugh out loud. I'll give you one I really think could happen and one that uh, historical uh, historical data tells me it probably will happen. I think the Angels are probably going to be in on this, right? Mm. (laughs) Interesting. Unfortunately, as the next Justin Upton replacement. Yeah, well, they're never they're never not in on anyone. So on any I, home run basher, right? Even yeah. though that's not their their problem. <laughs> um, how about the Brewers? Um, that's interesting. The only thing there is they kind of have a log. I mean, obviously, Aaron Judge would be an upgrade over most outfielders in the league, but I mean, they do sort of have a lot of outfielders as it is, and are having trouble getting. You know, when when Yelich has been healthy, they've kind of been had a crunch on playing time out there, but. Yeah. Um, fit wise, yeah, no, no issues with it. Don't you think that that Avisel Garcia though could be a piece coming back? The, and the that current is, right fielder. That's a very valid point. Yep, yep. The, that the Yankees wouldn't just probably be selling for um, you know strictly futures type prospects. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. There would be an MLB type player coming back, and Garcia's you know a middle aged guy with some with some meat on the bone in my opinion. So yeah, I like that actually. We just, we just made a trade. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> Let's take this off the record immediately. I cannot believe you said Aaron judge. There were uh, probably four dozen names in my head. I had going around and he was not one of them. Incredible. How about you give me one then that you had? What do you think? I, I Dan, I, I really think Chris Bryant moves because I, okay. here's why he's been phenomenal. 
there has to be a crazy fracture between him and the Cubs. There's no way that they like each other right now. No way. I mean, Bryant's been so outspoken with how shitty his process has been, and it's that's come back into fruition this year with him heading to free agency. And I don't think they think he's a perennial MVP candidate, So, which means that they probably think he's going to have a terrible July and August. So I think if somebody comes in swinging, and, if, and the Yankees, I think, could, because they, they have a, a glaring gap in center field now for the rest of the season with Hicks and you know 37-year-old Brett Gardner not being able to play every day, and they could use a third baseman as well, which Brian can do, can do both of. I I think if the Yankees come calling, they not only listen, they seriously consider moving on from him because I think they can sustain what they're doing without him for the most part. Is that crazy? No, all the no. I mean, I, I don't know if they would be able to sustain what they're doing. I'm not confident they can sustain it with him. Um, you know, with the current state of the pitching staff, but I. I mean, couldn't you just throw Cliff Frazier in the trade or something like that to make, you know what I mean? To give them right, a viable yeah. option coming back. I will say of all the guy, you know, of the, of the big three Baez, Rizzo, Brian, I think Brian is the most. Me too, because of what sure. I just said, because it's not about baseball. Yeah. It's about business. And he, yeah, uh, and, he has stated enough that he does not want to be there long-term. Yeah, and literally since his playing time stuff before he even played a game in the league, there was a bad, right. um, you know bad situation there so yeah i agree with that and uh he has made comments recently where he has said whatever happens happens and i'm yeah um i'm just here to play ball kind of thing which is is, you know typically a a player who you know is trying to save face a little bit more will say how badly they want to stay with the team kind of thing but he he kind of punted on this the question so i i agree with you there i i don't think his time is is long there um you know beyond this year whether he gets dealt at the deadline or not that, i think they just been, not sure about the that, cubs but. have been dying for his value to return some at some point and it hasn't for two and a half years and now it's here so then, i think they have to capitalize on it and and that's my Aaron Judge point. In yeah, a nutshell that's fair. As well. the, the Yankees, that's fair. you know, might see their opportunity as right now. Hey, the um, Cubs need a replacement for Jason Hayward expiring contract. <laughs> yeah, so maybe they work something out. Aaron here Judge and that. Wrigley would be damn good TV. Damn oh, yeah, good TV. All right, good stuff, Dan. Thanks. Yeah. All right, thanks, Mike.